Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast coming at you after our longest layover uh, as a podcast in all in all. I believe it was about two and a half weeks off. Partially my fault. One of your fearless co-hosts had a little elbow surgery, so uh, any sort of computer work was a little bit onerous for a couple weeks for me. And our other fearless co-host, Cody Barwick, was basking in the glow of his Chiefs Super Bowl victory. So, Cody, I'll go ahead and let you take a little victory lap here before we get started on the rest of the uh, the content here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, it's good to be back. I will say I haven't been nervous to start a podcast in probably about four or five months since we really got this thing rolling. So the uh, the nerves definitely come back when you take a two and a half week break. So hopefully we lock it back in and don't do this very often. Uh, but yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs winning the Super Bowl was awesome. Uh, had a bunch of people in town in Kansas City for it. Um, down in the Westport Bar District area. And yeah, it was a great time. It was a great game. Uh, don't remember much of the fourth quarter just due to, you know, alcohol. Luckily, they make uh, highlights and stuff that you can rewatch. But uh, it was awesome. And obviously, you know, whenever whenever they win, it's it's always a great time, too. So, yeah, shout out the Chiefs. It was an awesome year. And, uh, you know, Mahomes kind of did some crazy things, especially after that ankle injury in the second half. But we'll get more into the game here in a second. Uh Justin, you uh, don't typically bring up too much in this beginning segment, so I'm going to call you out. How, how's it going for you? How are you doing uh, on the producing side for us? It's going pretty good. Yeah, good ready to roll? Ready oh, yeah. to be back? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, let's do this thing. Talkative as always on the producer side of things. Thank you, Justin. Uh, before we get going on the actual reaction to the Super Bowl itself, I will just say off the top, congratulations to Cody and the Chiefs. My comments will get much, much more negative from here on out. So I'm going to just go ahead and start from uh, you know the high road and then work my way down, uh, so to speak. So uh, before we get going here, Cody, uh, again, congratulations on the Super Bowl championship. You guys are a great team. Can't really argue that end of things. Uh, the rest of it to be debated, and again, you will hear my opinion. So uh, off the top, just wanted to say that. And Cody, you can go ahead and kick us off since this is uh, you know this is your team's game. At the end of the day, I'll, I'll let you start off the the reaction to the Super Bowl itself. Yeah, let's let's start on the Eagles side first because they are an incredible football team. Uh, so we'll start with Jalen Hurts. I think he was you know. Possibly the best player in this game. I, I mean, he really he was if from a statistical, and if you just go back and rewatch the game standpoint, he did everything well. He made the tough throws in this game. Uh, the Chiefs' play calling really helped Mahomes get some wide-open touchdowns. Jalen Hurts did not have that at any point, so um, he was awesome. Um, I also I have a question, a fantasy question off the top here for you. A.J. Brown, in the second quarter, he hit that little, you know, the little route that just killed the Chiefs corner, and then he got the touchdown, like 45-yarder. Going into next year, is he a top-five fantasy wide receiver, or does Devontae Smith maybe take a little bit too much away from him and, and he kind of you know gets hurt a little bit from that? I think it's just as much Smith uh, as it is Goddard. Uh, the fact that they have three Fair. really, really effective targets in the passing game, as long as uh, all three of those guys are there going into next year, Makes it tough, especially because this team is run first in nature uh, to begin with. So uh, maybe if we see a little bit of regression from the offensive line, we can expect some more passing attempts here. But um, yeah, I think that the thing that holds A.J. Brown from 
from back from being a top five fantasy wide receiver is those other targets. It has nothing to do with him as a player. He's fantastic. His connection with Jalen Hurts is apparent, but I think AJ Brown will continue to be what he has been basically his entire career. That being a low end wide receiver, one, a very effective fantasy asset, but not necessarily a, you know, top three or four guy. You'd have to have a couple injuries for that in my opinion. Yeah, probably not a guy you're reaching for, but you're happy if he you know, if he falls to exactly. you at his ADP, you love it. If so. he if you can get him where you got him last year in the late second, early third, I'd take him there all day. For sure. Yep. Cool. Devontae Smith, his running mate, also amazing. He ended up with I think the only player to hit hundred yards in this game, uh, either receiving or rushing. So good for him. He's also incredible. And then Dallas Goddard also had six receptions, uh, not quite as many yards, but had a great game. And then um I mean, really, their offensive line is incredible. Their little one-yard to three-yard rush play that they get automatically is unstoppable. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much more to say about the Eagles' offense. I feel like their defense you know, more or less let them down in the second half, but I feel like that was more due to the Chiefs' offense kind of making adjustments, not the Eagles' defense playing bad necessarily. Yeah, a couple three and outs in the second half for the Eagles offense are the only um, you know only complaints that you can make here. Uh, that and the fumble by Jalen, the inexplicable fumble by Jalen Hurts in the second quarter, basically just dropping the ball and letting Nick yep. Bolton run free for a 50-yard touchdown that really changed the game early on there. Uh, but yeah, other than that, hard to argue. 35 points on a solid defensive unit, albeit not an elite one in the Chiefs. Uh, you really, yeah, that's that. Clearly, that was not the problem in the game. If you lose 38-35, hard to blame the offense. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and then on the Chiefs side, I mean, Mahomes was, you know, Mahomes uh, didn't quite get the passing yards. Shout out FanDuel for just suckering everyone into the Mahomes 225-plus passing yards and Chiefs W. Nice little boosted odds at plus 200, and they just take your money with it, so – that was sweet. I definitely got suckered into that one. But uh, Travis Kelsey, I mean, if really if you had anybody except for MBS on a uh, touchdown prop or McKinnon, I guess, you're you're pretty happy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on the Chiefs side, I don't really have too much to say. Mahomes was really, really good when he needed to be. Obviously, they got the call at the end, which I'm going to let Nick highlight because I'd rather just let him do it than let me brush over it. But, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs were amazing in the second half. Definitely some great adjustments. Uh, so um, I felt like a little bit of their rushing game kind of looked a little bit Jacksonville Jaguar-esque, little Doug Peterson concepts with uh, some of their short down rushing attempts, which I kind of was, you know, amazed by whenever I saw that. But, yeah, I don't don't have too much more to add there. They were really good, and, you know, when you put up 38, you're pretty happy with that, or 20, 27 technically. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start by uh, talking about the, I guess they, they, they really put up 31 because yeah, seven thank you. was from the defense. <laughs> uh, they, they did they did have a missed field goal from Butker that was pretty short too, so you might want to give them a couple for that as well. But anyway, uh, I'll go ahead and start by gushing about the Chiefs offense, and then uh, we can kind of just get into a reaction about the call itself on sort of a separate note because I believe it deserves its own, you know, two to three minute segment. But uh, first off, I think the, the biggest – point in this uh in this game for the Chiefs offense was the coaching staff Andy Reid again just kind of showed his supremacy in this game did not have some of the uh you know conservative tendencies he has shown in big games before really just outclassed Jonathan Gannon on the other side I think uh that was really the difference in this game uh the Eagles outgained the Chiefs uh by a pretty wide margin in this game as an offense the Eagles were much more efficient on third down 
The Eagles had more first downs. Um, the Eagles had a better yards per attempt, a better rushing yards per attempt. Uh, really, at the end of the day, it just came down to situational football, and the Chiefs dominated when they needed to. Had a couple third quarter or third down touchdowns when they needed them on beautiful play calls with motion offense that, you know, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, any quarterback in the league would have hit very easily. They were wide open passes. So I think Andy Reid deserves the credit for winning this Super Bowl because at the end of the day, uh, I, I don't know if you could, uh, you said your your memory of the second half is hazy as it is. So your opinion might not be the best one to uh, to attend to here, but I can't imagine, I can't remember really a, a Patrick Mahomes throw that I said, oh, wow, that was that was incredible. You know, not I, a I don't single think one. He, no, he really did not make the difference. It was everything game. was wide open. 158 rushing yards for the Chiefs to 115 for the Eagles, I think, is kind of the most jarring stat from an individual perspective. Um, they they did a great job controlling the line of scrimmage. Chiefs' offensive line deserves a lot of credit, but I think this is Andy Reid's championship more so even than the last one because Mahomes kind of had some heroics at the end of that game. So I think. I think at the end of the day, I just want to give him some credit here to start off. He called a fantastic game plan and deserves a ton of the credit for the Super Bowl, I think more so than his quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree with you 100%. Andy Reid's amazing. Um, in, a, in, in an offensive-driven league, he's really shining, which is awesome to see because uh, he has been one of the best offensive play callers for you know 20-plus years. So. Good for him. He's, you know, potentially got another Super Bowl or two down the road if he wants to keep coaching for as long as he wants to. 100% can't argue with it. He's fantastic. Every uh, every team in the league envies the Chiefs for having Andy Reid as the coach, uh, in my opinion. I think Andy Reid and your offensive line are your two biggest assets. Mahomes is third on that list. I just believe, uh, believe in those two things a lot more than – and the quarterback at the end of the day, when it comes to the NFL level, uh, it's just it's just shown itself over time to be a bigger difference maker, in my opinion. But look at uh, the anyway. look at the Buccaneers Super Bowl when the Chiefs didn't have an offensive line. That's what happens when you don't have an O line in the NFL, especially when you exactly. play a really and good the team. So. Was arguably one of the best that year uh, with with the young additions that they made, and again, yeah, Bruce Arians calling the plays on offense. So the Eagles this year that was well. one of the best, yeah, but the exactly. Chiefs O line was there to answer. You know, I mean. You can always say there's holding on every call, but there, there's definitely some holding calls that got missed. I mean, I'm not going to you know, shy away from that at all. On either team. Exactly. Uh, I guess. Yeah. This, this, will, this will segue Except into for one. the next one. <laughs> Except for right. one. Yeah, so <laughs> that that's kind of one of the bigger points here. I'm sure most of you that are going to be listening to a fantasy football reaction podcast in February will have a good idea of what we're about to bring up here. That's the holding call at the end of the game, 35 35 chiefs have the ball in the red zone third and eight uh and then a somewhat ticky tack holding call uh on james bradbury against juju smith schuster who uh kind of got called out on twitter after trying to you know make a diss at james bradbury a couple days later sort of got called out for you know his career as a mediocre wide receiver and even this year kind of a mediocre wide receiver but all in all uh, i think the, the most disappointing thing about it to me was just the the way that the game had been called up to that point, um, obviously James Bradbury after the game, uh, being the you know sportsman that he is, ended up admitting that he had hold he had held Juju Smith-Schuster on that play. But we've talked about this quite a bit. Holding, unfortunately, is a very 
it's it's just it changes game to game. It's not always the same in any NFL situation. It is very nuanced and it is up to the discretion of each NFL ref. So you kind of you kind of just really want consistency in any game rather than consistency game to game for NFL refs. What that means is you want that holding call the same way in the first quarter of a game as you do in the fourth quarter. So if you're calling it tight in the first quarter, you want it called tight in the fourth quarter. If you are calling, you know, if you're not calling it tight, you want it called not tight in the fourth quarter as well. And that's really all you can hope for from an NFL ref so that there is some degree of consistency established. Just wasn't there. Uh, at the end of the day, that, that holding call was not nearly meeting the criteria for what I thought should have been a hold in that game. There had been many more egregious ones on both sides leading up to it. And uh, unfortunately, this wasn't one of those holds that, you know, continued a drive that was like a first down on the 50-yard line. That was kind of one of those what-if holds. It was a, a hold where the Chiefs, you know, would have had a coin flip game if they had not gotten it and had an automatic win if they got it. So uh, just disappointing. I wish we would have seen what would have happened in that game, give Jalen Hurts a chance to tie that game up. Yeah, I think you described that perfectly. Um and, and, you know, very elegant. I have two topics that I kind of want to point out of there. One, the Jalen Hurts side of things. Uh, he was the better quarterback in this game. Like you had said, you know, Patrick Mahomes really didn't make any, like, overly impressive throws. He made a couple good scrambles, but, you know, with his ankle, you were happy to see that. But, you know, overall, Jalen Hurts played the way better game, and uh, you, would, you would expect him to at least get a field goal at minimum if, you know, he gets the ball back with over a minute. Um so, yeah, I mean, that part really kind of sucked because, you know, it would have been – it could have been a really, really good end to what was already a really, really good Super Bowl, but now there's always this kind of what if because of a ticky-tack holding call. And I agree with you. Just swallow the whistle. I mean, honestly, within two minutes, anything that's ticky-tack like that, just, just swallow the whistle. It's not worth it. Don't, you know, take away another team's opportunity, uh, you know, to make something happen and to make, like – something really cool happened. What if Jalen Hurts takes him down the fucking, you know, takes him all the way down. He scores another rushing touchdown. He has four rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Like, it could have been an iconic moment for the guy that just completely got taken away, never had a chance. So, I hate to see it from that side. I mean, as a Chiefs fan in the moment, it was probably the best call of the day. But, uh, you know, looking back on it, obviously it's terrible. And then my second point I want to bring up is the Juju thing. I thought that was the most, like, I don't like as a fan of a team. I hope we don't bring Juju Smith Juicer back because I don't want to have to root for such a d bag man. Like that's so idiotic to go do that Valentine's Day card thing, you know, and kind of make fun of Bradbury after the whole Eagles team just took it. Like they didn't complain right. about the refs, they didn't overly Especially complain Bradbury. about the field, which they could have. I mean, even all of them, like all of them just told me, like, you know what? It is what it is. You just have to take it and move on. But like, no, they could have absolutely went back in the locker room and you know, complained up a storm and no one would have like looked at him sideways for it. They'd been like, no, yeah, I understand that for sure. So I, I, I hope the chiefs don't bring Juju back. I thought that was the stupidest move I've ever seen from, from a player uh, that, that like that really bothered me because you won the Super Bowl. You're, you know, you got everything that you wanted out of this one year contract. Why, why do you have to do that at the end, end of it? Yeah. I, I didn't really understand that at all from Juju's perspective. Uh, again, yeah, I can't, can't agree with you more on the end of the game. I really wish we would have gotten to see a proper end to that Super Bowl. Uh, we've, we've talked about holding a couple times this year. I've shared my opinions on it. I think that the way they called it in this game was outstanding up until the end of the game. I want only 
extremely egregious holds to be called, especially on the offensive lines of each team. I just think that makes it a better game. You saw more points basically because of it, and uh, I think you would see more points across the NFL if they holding if holding was called that way more often. But to you know to 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 stray from that consistency at that moment in uh, you know in in that point of the game was just just not not the way to do it, and it ended up kind of ruining the uh, the end of it because it seems like that's sort of the the largest talking point by quite a wide margin. We uh, we don't have to belabor it much more, but. Uh, was very disappointed to see that definitely from a fan's perspective and from a chief's hater perspective. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I agree with you, but again, shout out to chiefs, super bowl champs. The parade was awesome. Uh, it was very cold and very windy, but suffered through it and, uh, got some cool videos. Donna Kelsey made it the way it made it on out. So shout out Donna Kelsey also, and just the Kelsey brothers. Did you, I mean, one more talking point on the super bowl, the whole, you know, Kelsey's playing each other. Did you enjoy that aspect of the Super Bowl at all? I feel like it was kind of overplayed to a point, but kind of deserved at the same time. It's it's a little harder to appreciate when they don't when they don't ever line up against each other. In my opinion, right. uh, it was. I mean, yeah, good for them, but I'm not really a fan of either team. I'm a Denver Broncos and Dallas Cowboys <laughs> fan, and I was watching the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, so. My first, uh, you know, my first look wasn't examining the relationship between Travis Kelsey and Jason <laughs> Kelsey on the field. I'll be honest, uh, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, cool, cool to see two brothers play against each other in the Super Bowl. It, it, I just think it would have had more of an impact if they were actually playing against each other on the field. But yeah, for uh, sure, yeah, good for good for Donna Kelsey. She won either way. Yep, absolutely. Well, anything let's move else on. on the Super Bowl you want to talk about, or can we move on? Nope, I don't think so. Let's move past it. Kind of wrapped up season one right there as our uh, as our first first official season. We're kind of going into some off-season talk here with some head coaching changes and coaching changes in general. So, Nick, want to take it away with uh, coach cha- coaching change number one? Yeah, we're gonna so we're gonna start with our head coaching changes here, and then we're gonna move into our offensive coordinator changes. You will notice on the offensive coordinator changes, I have uh, those listed that. I believe uh, there was, you know, significant change to the actual offense. I won't. We'll go over actually every offensive coordinator change at the end. But you know, if we if we if we talk about an offensive coach that was hired as a head coach, I don't necessarily see their offensive coordinator hire as relevant information for fantasy. So that's right. just kind of where we are uh, beginning from, and in no particular order other than the last one because uh, I believe it will be possibly the most lengthy discussion because of my team allegiance and because of yours. Uh, no, so yeah, no particular order, not necessarily chronologically, not necessarily how we like them, but we'll start with Carolina. They hired Frank Reich, the former Colts head coach as their new head coach. I like it. I'm a big Frank Reich fan. I think honestly, this was the guy that I would have chosen for the Denver Broncos. If I could have, we got my number two option, although at a cost again, we'll get to that later, but, uh, for Carolina, it's pretty easy. It's going to come down to the quarterback. They are picking a little bit lower in the first round than they might like to be for selecting one of these quarterbacks. They are getting pushed off the board right now. I think the other thing with Frank Reich is it's kind of funny how many parallels there are to draw between the Colts job and this Panthers job. Lots of veteran cornerback quarterback turnover the past couple of years. Relatively, you know, decent rosters around them. Otherwise, you know, you got DJ Moore, wide receiver, Carolina, Michael Pittman in Indianapolis, as well as Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis, uh, Good offensive, young offensive lines on both sides, good defensive pieces on both sides. So 
We'll see if Frank Wright can make it work. It's really going to just come down to the quarterback for me, though. It, yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of where I'm right. I'm at the. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm right there with you. Uh, so just with your, do you think they're going to go for a young quarterback? Do you think they're going to try and move up in the draft? Or it seems like they are over uh, the QB carousel from the veteran quarterback standpoint. Doesn't seem like there's been much steam between them and uh, Derek Carr or the you know the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And it seems like both of those guys would be logical fits. Seems like they have the capital to go trade for Rodgers if they need to, and they have the need for Carr. But uh, it's been no steam there, so it seems like they're definitely going to be trying to go the young quarterback route. Yeah, that that does make sense. That's just. I don't know who between, they're really going to get. Think about between the scars of the Carolina Panthers the past couple of years and the scars of Frank Reich, they have twice as many scars as a team that has had a lot in the last three years. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Young. It's it's going to be tough. I think Anthony, they were they were probably banking on Richardson being available for them at nine, but it seems like that's not going to be the case. They're probably going to have to move up into the top five to get one of their uh, get one of those guys. Yeah, and we'll get in draft, you know, prospects a little bit yeah, more we'll definitely. But Richardson, I can't believe how how high he is projected to go. I mean, I understand he's just talent wise, like star. Yeah. yeah, that's wild to me. That's but like I said, we'll get into that. We'll kind of break down break down the the players as we kind of re- go towards draft season. But yeah, I think. I like this. NFL circles seem to think that Reich's also building an amazing staff in Carolina. So, I, I like I said, it just comes down to quarterback. Who are they able to get, and are they able to mold them or you know run a, an efficient offense with them? So, I, I don't mind this for Carolina at all. Yeah, we will get into more fantasy reaction when we find out who the quarterback is here. But uh, if it's you know a quarterback we like, I think we'll be happy with the uh, the pairing there between Frank Reich and uh, whoever that QB ends up being. Our second guy on the list is D'Amico Ryans, the former San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. He was hired by the Houston Texans, got a pretty nice lengthy deal here. People in NFL circles love him uh, from what I have seen of reactions, uh, articles, and you know whatever uh, online reactions we have seen since then. Uh, Ryans is a pretty young guy. He recently retired from the NFL within the last five to 10 years. And he's been on San Francisco's staff, obviously with that fantastic defense the past couple of years was their defensive coordinator after Robert Sala left for the Jets job. I expect a good defensive coach who has plus leadership qualities. It's just hard to know what it means for fantasy uh, because he will not be the, uh, the offensive play caller. We will go over who his offensive play caller is later, but uh, I like the hire from a Houston perspective. Seems like they just need a guy that can provide some stability for them. Yep, I, I agree with you there. I mean, they're obviously they have the number two pick in the draft due to beating the Colts late in the season. Um, you know, we saw that kind of come back to bite the Jets in the in the butt a little bit a couple of years ago when they took Zach Wilson at number two and Trevor Lawrence with number one. Really, if you're Houston, you're really just hoping that doesn't happen here. Hopefully, whoever you like at number two, um, you know, if you're not able to move up, that you know. Hopefully you get him at number two and hopefully he becomes your guy because that's really the only thing that I think could potentially ruin this for D'Amico. Um, I think he's a really good coach. And like you said, it seems like everyone in the NFL really likes this guy. I'm pretty sure he was a captain his rookie year in the NFL, if that tells you anything about him. Drafted so, by Houston too. Yes, absolutely. So I love it. Again, it's just kind of similar to number one, just who's their quarterback going to be. Um, do you have any takes on that? I mean, I guess while we're kind of here, do you have like, do you think the, Bears are going to take a quarterback, or do you think they're going to trade the pick? 
Lots of steam going that way. That's a really tough call. The Bears have a lot of good options this offseason. Again, we'll kind of get into more draft talk as we go here. Um, I, I don't really see either way being wrong. I kind of get it from both perspectives. I think Justin Fields has a higher upside than any of the quarterbacks coming out of this field this year. Uh, but at the same time, the rookie scale contract is very hard to argue with. It is a lot easier to build a solid NFL roster when you are paying those quarterbacks a lot less while they're on their rookie deals and you get two extra years for whatever quarterback you would draft at number one plus the capital you get from trading fields. So I can get it from both perspectives. It's a tough decision for Chicago, but I think two good decisions for them, honestly. And then uh, for Houston's perspective, it doesn't really matter. If they want to stay at two, whoever is at one, whether it is Chicago or whether they trade the pick, uh, that that first quarterback's going to be gone. So as a Houston, as the Houston Texans, you either have to prioritize moving up or you have to think, you know, there are two guys that you like. Yep, absolutely. I As we see here today, I feel like the Bears are going to trade Justin Fields and take somebody at number one. Both the GM okay. and the coach are new, and I feel like they're, you know, it's always nice to kind of reset with a rookie quarterback. That always gives you kind of a cushion year as a head coach and a GM as well because, it's you know, he's a rookie his first year. You know, we're going to develop him. He's going to be a lot better next year. So I feel like they're, they're going to move on, even though Fields did show something. But, I mean, they, they may be able to get something for Justin Fields, you know, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, mean, they probably get another first back for them, plus some. Is it a first plus? Two first? Wow. I think they'll get two. Dang. I I, I would do it instantly if I could get two ones, I think. I've been a a very, very staunch uh, Fields apologist, I suppose, on this podcast in large part because he was on a few of my fantasy teams this year, but I just see special ability from him and – I think you could easily convince a you know an organization like the Ravens per se. Uh, let's say they wanted to move on from Lamar Jackson. Fields is kind of a natural fit for their offense uh, to replace him. I think you get two first out of them, especially because they wouldn't necessarily be you know you're not trading a top ten pick and then another first. You're trading you know a twentieth twentieth overall and then a first exactly. Next year. So yeah, um, I think yeah you're, you're definitely getting more for the first overall pick than you are for Fields, but you're still getting quite a bit. So. Good options for Chicago either way, in my opinion. I think you can kind of you can roll out either way. I like Bryce Young a lot. I think he'd be a, a, a fine take if, the, if Chicago decides to go that way. Yeah, um, for sure. On a tangent there, uh, again, I think Houston, it's really just going to depend on what happens with their quarterback. Next up here, another team that will be very similar, Indianapolis, hires Shane Steichen, Eagles offensive coordinator this year. Um, I think it's a fine hire. He ran arguably the best offense in the NFL this year. That's where we start with the positives. Uh, It did have probably the best talent across the board. So a lot of times it's very hard to separate those two from a fantasy perspective. Hard to know necessarily what his tendencies would have been on an offense that uh, did not have the talent that he did. Uh, You know, there's a lot of pass heavy coordinators that would have a really run heavy approach with the best offensive line and a run first quarterback. So. Uh, hard for me to know for sure where Steichen leans. Luckily, we do have a little bit of a sample size with him. He was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers for uh, a couple years before Joe Lombardi took over there. So uh, he was uh, basically what Steichen preaches, or at least what he did uh, in his younger days as a coordinator with uh, especially Justin Herbert was lots of quick, short area passes. He, he prioritizes completion percentage and he prioritizes the run game. So that fits pretty well with what you think Indy would want to do, uh, considering the fact that they have Jonathan Taylor and a few decent pieces on their offensive line. So 
I think, again, this is going to come down to the quarterback uh, as far as what this offense ultimately looks like, but probably positive news for Jonathan Taylor dynasty owners. Yeah, I agree with you. Again, I feel like, I mean, really, you know, these three situations are all very similar. Who's your quarterback going to be? And, you know, are you a good enough coach to be able to, you know, mold that quarterback into a star? So they're at number four. I feel like they're, you know, you know, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis is probably who they're looking at there. So hopefully they really like one of those guys. Quarterback here. Oh, oh, Indianapolis. No. I'm sorry. I was looking at Arizona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Taking a yeah. quarterback. Absolutely. They, they are probably the lock on the board, maybe even more so than Houston. Yeah. They, they're, if the Bears were to trade it, I think it'd be to Indy. I feel like Indy is definitely the team yeah, to, makes a lot to of sense. trade a lot to move up. They they want to buy more than anybody. They have some roster pieces that they can trade more so than the Texans do that can help the Bears immediately that you know don't cost a ton too. So yeah, I think this is the this is the natural fit for the Bears if they end up wanting to trade that pick. Yeah, absolutely. So not, I don't mind it necessarily. I don't really know too much about Shane Steichen. I think he took over play calling duties in like middle of last year. So obviously yeah, they you know they they were like great last year. They add AJ Brown. Their offensive line's amazing this year. He has an amazing offense. So you know, maybe a little, little something there to you know pick apart, but you know we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Again, he's got most likely going to have a rookie quarterback. I feel like next year's probably just going to be more of a laying the foundation year for the Colts, unless they get someone to pop. Yeah, hopefully we have a little bit more clarity based on their uh, actions in the draft and kind of leading up to there uh, than we do right now. This is one of those situations we're just going to have to, uh, to monitor. I don't have a great sense of what this offense is going to look like right now. Um, next is the next Eagles coordinator to be hired as a head coach. That is Jonathan Gannon. He was the Eagles defensive coordinator. He was hired by the Arizona Cardinals to replace Cliff Kingsbury. Um, this one is going to be the much more uphill of the two battles, in my opinion, between the two Eagles coordinators here. You have a, uh, Arizona Cardinals team that again, has a very high pick, but already has a quarterback locked in to a very expensive contract in Kyler Murray that is coming off a torn ACL. That ACL was not clean either, so it could be a bit of a complicated recovery for him. Uh, we have a hurt Kyler, a bad defense, and aging playmakers on the offensive side. It is just going to be it's going to be an uphill battle, and this is another one where we will talk about his offensive coordinator later. I believe he will you know, be the guy that is implementing his philosophy rather than following the head coach here. So jury's out on Jonathan Gannon. I think this is another one where he had great playmakers on the defensive side, so it's kind of hard to separate him from that. Yeah, they were also winning a lot of their games, so some of their stack or sack statistics are a little inflated because they were exactly. you know, kind of ears back pass rushing in most of their games. So, yeah, this one is probably the one I'm least excited about. I feel like if you're Arizona, how do you not go get yourself an offensive guy to just pair with Kyler? I don't know. I that, don't that's know. my thing there is you you have this situation. You're stuck with Kyler. You could get away from Cliff. And you could just pay him to go away. You can't do that with Kyler. You I don't know. Like I, I saw like the first video where Kyler and Gannon kind of like met each other and they videotaped it. It was super awkward and weird. I, I just it gives off bad vibes for Arizona. But um, I mean, really, if if you're Arizona, you're probably just trading away anybody that's you know of value right now and just completely rebuilding. And hopefully, by the time Kyler's coming back, you you have some playmakers that you know are starting to pop around them. 
seems like Arizona may have been trying to go with a little bit more of a culture change than they were necessarily a uh, you know a higher which is fair. He's their quarterback, which yeah, I get that from their perspective. Um, I think I probably would have just tried to kill two birds with one stone with a you know somebody that can help change my culture that's also a play caller or at least a you know a good offensive coach. So. We'll see if it works out for him, but this one is, again, really hard to tell as far as fantasy reaction goes. It's just going to depend on what their moves are this offseason, and um, Arizona's in a very tough situation from a roster-building perspective, so good luck to Jonathan Gannon. My last head coaching hire I have on the list is the one that is obviously of most interest to me uh, personally and probably of the most interest to the fantasy community as far as uh, how many people it impacts on the landscape. That is Sean Payton being the new head coach of my Denver Broncos, the former Saints head coach, obviously. Uh, Denver had to trade for his rights. They traded San Francisco's first-round pick this year, which they acquired in the Bradley Chubb trade during this season. Uh, They also traded their own second-round pick in 2024. Denver received Sean Payton and the Saints pick in 2024, the third-round pick. So basically a pick swap, if you want to think about it that way. Uh, Saints moving up to the second round. In 2024. So really just uh, mostly just that first round pick. I didn't think the compensation was too heavy. I thought it might have been a little higher than this, honestly. Uh, so from a Denver fan perspective, it's hard not to like it. Sean Payton as a man, jury's out. I, I don't know if I love everything that you know has come out about him over the years as far as uh, the Bounty Gate thing goes and just general, uh, you know, there are things I've read from beat writers that suggest he may not be the most pleasant guy to be around, but it's hard to doubt his effectiveness as an offensive play caller. And at the end of the day, that's going to be his number one job. So uh, it's going to be, I think my, uh, my biggest positive from a Denver's fan perspective is that Peyton could have chose to wait another off season or even two. And, you know, he chose to come out now because he likes this organization and he at least likes Russell Wilson a little bit. So I think there is positive vibes here out of Denver. The the lack of draft capital definitely scares me, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you hate to send that first-round pick away just because you do get that fifth-year option with first-round picks. So sometimes yep. that you know really comes oh, yeah. in handy no with second some, for us either. Yeah, with some I'm trading into the first uh, cap situation. So yeah, I do think that you know the draft capital is probably going to come back to bite them in the ass at some point, but it just depends. I mean, if they nail a bunch of second, third rounders, fourth rounders, I mean, they're going to have to acquire draft picks somehow as well. Kind of, you know, not to the level of the, uh, of the Cardinals, but I could see them being a little bit of a, you know, making some deals, trying to get some draft capital. I mean, if you're, if you're getting Sean Payton, you know, this isn't just, uh, you know, come in next year and turn this immediately around. I feel like you're probably building to try and get, a, you know, um, a really good team. So I can see them kind of maybe selling a little bit, try and get some draft capital, rebuild this team a little bit. They obviously have great defensive pieces, I think. I mean, the most dominant defense in the NFL basically all season, they just could not get it going offensively. So if Peyton can help fix that, I mean, they're going to be dangerous. Again, I think your biggest question mark Russell Wilson, but – um, I don't know. I there was actually a report that came out I think on Friday about like just all the weird stuff that Russell Wilson had going on last year with Nathaniel Hackett being the coach. So maybe kind of cleaning up some of that as well will kind of help with locker room situations and team chemistry. Yeah, I'm hoping Sean Payton kind of takes charge here in Denver. Seems like he will be he will. the figurehead here rather than Russell Wilson kind of being the figurehead over a first year head coach in Nathaniel Hackett. 
Uh, he'll kind of play second fiddle to him rather than being the guy calling the shots. Sean Payton famously coached uh, Drew Brees, who I believe plays a pretty similar style to Russell Wilson these days, uh, just as far as pocket movement and you know height as a quarterback goes and just play style in general, honestly. So uh, hopefully you can replicate that. And from a fantasy perspective, I think the running back position is probably the biggest boost. Unfortunately, we don't know if that means Javante Williams uh, necessarily because he is coming off that ACL tear. So we'll see if Payton brings in anybody else uh, with – either draft capital or free agency. But uh, I think the running back position uh, is the biggest boost here from a fantasy perspective. They were always a, a very high ranking unit from a points per game standpoint in fantasy. There was just always a few mouths to feed there. So we'll end up seeing who, who they end up uh, rolling out there. But uh, that is everything we have for the head coaching changes. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add on Sean Payton or anybody else? Uh, no, just since you brought up Javante, I actually saw uh sleeper sent out a notification. I guess his injury isn't uh, – the recovery process isn't going too well. looks like he's going to miss some time going into next season. As, of, as it stands right now, obviously, things could change. But, uh, yeah, hopefully he either Excellent. gets healed up or, or they, they uh, you know, acquire another running that. back. Yeah, no, hate, hate to hear think, from a yeah. – uh, from a you know dynasty owner of uh, <laughs> Javante, that's rough, especially with Sean Payton. You'd imagine he's going to want someone there week one that can carry a workload. Yeah, hundred percent. I think if that continues to be the sentiment out of uh, out of Denver, that you will certainly see an investment in the running back position in free agency. Uh, I would imagine it's free agency because it's going to be really hard to invest in one in the draft with the limited capital they do have. Yeah, we'll see how it uh, ends up shaking out, but. Uh, they can't just roll into the season with, uh, you know, Mike Boone and Javante Williams, hoping he, he comes back in week three or four. Uh, let's go ahead and run through these offensive coordinator changes. Again, I did not include everybody in here. We'll get to them at the end here. But these are the guys that uh, took over in situations which I believe they will be the main playing caller, main play caller. Maybe we can kind of glean something from their hire. These don't have to be quite as drawn out as each one of these head coaching uh, changes here. We have eight of them. Let's get through them real quick. First off, Baltimore hires Todd Munkin. He was Georgia's offensive coordinator. I think this is probably the one that I have the least to say about. Uh, there's not much to look at from Todd Munkin's past. He was a Tampa Bay offensive coordinator for a couple of years during Jameis Winston's years, but it seems like he just kind of followed the tendencies of the guys he had under him. So this is all going to come down to whether Lamar Jackson is the quarterback next year for Baltimore. And if he is, I believe the offense will be built around him very similarly as it has been uh, in years past. Yep, I agree with you. I do feel like uh, bringing in Todd Munkin is maybe a little bit of insurance in case they do have to move off of Lamar. You know, maybe someone that can call it a different style of offense. Obviously, sure. Greg Roman before Agreed. was very run heavy. So I feel like this yeah. may be a little bit insurance. But, I I mean, if you're in Baltimore, just figure out what you got to do with Lamar. I don't know. Actually, that situation's weird because he wants a fully guaranteed contract, which the only person to have that is Deshaun Watson. So, Kind of an odd subject there, but hopefully they get something worked out and he just stays in Baltimore. Otherwise, he could be a quarterback that uh, gets a gets quite the haul if he ends up getting moved, or maybe not yeah, as much as you think because you got to pay him. Also, so that's yeah. another thing. Look to consider. out! Look out for the Falcons. Could be could be a uh, a very plausible destination for Lamar. Yeah, Jackson, and both get him in the NFC. That sounds awesome. Exactly. I'm, well, I'm all for it. 
for Lamar Jackson, it's a lot less competition. The NFC South is probably the easiest division in the NFL right now from just a overall competition standpoint. And I think the fit between him and Arthur Smith could be pretty deadly. Uh, Arthur Smith, as many, uh, you know, as many bad things as we said about him throughout the year for his lack of getting Kyle Pitts involved, his run schemes are very good for a guy that was working with a pretty limited, you know, limited resources on the offense uh, just in general. So we'll see how that works out for him. Dallas hires Brian Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator. Again, this is another one where I don't have a ton uh, as far as impact here because Mike McCarthy will actually call plays here. Mike Brian Schottenheimer replacing Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore was a solid offensive coordinator, but he had a lot of talent to work with between the great offensive line, solid quarterback, and you know good options on the playmaking side of things as well. So I don't really see much difference here from the Cowboys. I think they'll be a you know run first uh, type of team that will just always rely on establishing it with their offensive line and then working off of that kind of as they did with Kellen Moore. Yep. Honestly, the this hire doesn't really do do anything for me. The Kellen Moore firing really just solidifies McCarthy's their guy for you know ownership there for the Jones slight family. Downgrade. So, uh, yeah, probably a slight downgrade, but you know at least for McCarthy, I mean, you just every single every single offseason Kellen Moore was there. You were questioned whether or not they were going to let Kellen Moore go or if they should just upgrade him to head coach and let McCarthy go. So right. if you're McCarthy, it's kind of a little W for you, um, you know, even though your season probably didn't end the way you wanted it to. So, um, yeah, I Brian Schottenheimer really doesn't mean too much for me. This is going to be McCarthy's team uh, next year. Offense, yeah, McCarthy's I mean, I think offense. The one possible plus here is that uh, I, I – my biggest gripe with McCarthy has always been his in-game decision-making as far as clock management and as far as, uh, you know, just general, like, uh, third or fourth down, will you go for it, that type of decision-making I haven't loved from him. So that part of it might not change, but maybe the clock management part he can, you know, pass off because I've always – I think he's always had somewhat creative play calling. I, I just don't see much – I think the, the offense will be just fine as long as everybody stays healthy like they did this year. Uh, so I don't see much difference between him and Kellen Moore as far as fantasy impact goes. Uh, do you have anything else to add on Dallas? Uh, no, not necessarily. I do just want to say I think every team should hire someone to run your clock management or at least 100%. be able to do 99% of it and tell your head coach what to do. Your head coach should have to make the final decision because it all should technically come back to him because that's how it's going to come back in the media. But you should know what you're doing basically on every single play and every single situation. There should be yeah, someone in your organization that does that for you. There are 90, 90, 95% of the time there is a right answer for clock management. Uh, there are some times where there's a decision to be made. Again, like you said, head coach should make it. But uh, a lot of the time it there is a right and a wrong, not necessarily a, you know, uh, there's there's not two choices. There should only be one. Yeah. Uh, my next offensive coordinator hire is in Houston. They hired Bobby Slowick. Sorry if I mispronounced that. I have never Bobby heard of Mr. Slowick. Slowick before. Bobby Slowick. Okay. Uh, yep. He is the San Francisco passing game coordinator, or at least was. Uh, clearly coming over with D'Amico Ryans from the San Francisco staff. He's a former college wide receiver. He has worked for San Francisco for the last five plus years. Um, I, I just have to imagine that this is a San Francisco copycat or at least a, you know, this is what they're going to try to do, but really hard to know what it means for their offense. This guy has never called plays even at the collegiate level. And, uh, again, Houston's offensive pieces are nowhere near where, uh, San Francisco's are. And that plays a large part into your, uh, sequencing and just overall 
play distribution. So we'll see what this means. Uh, they're going to try to play like San Francisco, I guess, but that's not easy to do when you don't have a fantastic offensive line and four all-pro playmakers on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Bobby Slowick is in for – uh, for an interesting season, obviously they'll have uh, most likely a new young quarterback that he gets to kind of work with and mold. So um, it's a very good opportunity pick, for him. So. I also think for Houston, if he doesn't work out, you know, you could probably move off of him. You know, if your offense is bad next year, you know, if you have to fire Bobby Slowick, it's not worst case scenario for you. So no. we'll see, you know, we'll see how this year goes. We'll see who's available next year. I wouldn't be surprised if, especially if, you know, as an overall team and on the defensive side, if Houston looks really good and their offense is kind of struggling and there's a big offensive coach out there, wouldn't be surprised if they made a move next year, but hopefully he does really good and they don't have to do that. Yeah. We'll see if the Shanahan disciple can follow in his shoes, but uh, never called plays before. So it'll be a tall task and Houston's sure. offense does not have a ton of electric pieces to work with as of now. Uh, my next offensive hire here is Drew Petzing. He was the Cleveland quarterbacks coach. He is going to be the new offensive coordinator for Arizona. This man has a very large uphill battle as well. He has also never been an offensive coordinator. He's a Kevin Stefanski disciple. That, that means lots of running and play action. This is actually one of the other reasons that I am pretty far down on Arizona as of now. Again, it will depend a lot on the roster moves that transpire from here until the start of the season. But uh, Jonathan Gannon came out and said they will put Kyler Murray under center more often, which I could not disagree more with. Uh, I understand trying to establish the run and uh, wanting to run some play action, but putting a quarterback that is 5'9 under center uh, is just not a recipe for success, in my opinion. I think uh, Murray's going to have to drop back further than other quarterbacks to be able to see over the line, which can mess up sequencing on some plays. So we'll see if they end up wanting to implement this strategy, but uh, it's not necessarily the one I would recommend if I had Kyler Murray as my quarterback, especially his first year off of a torn ACL. Um, again, this is a guy that's just never called plays before, so it's hard for us to give a, a hard reaction. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be hard to you know think that this Arizona offense is going to be anything anything special next year. I mean, when Murray gets back, you'd hope that he's you know able to move around like he used to. But I'm sure you know with that ACL injury, he's probably going to be a little bit more conservative. Um, yeah, I if you have Arizona fantasy pieces outside of Hopkins because he's going to get traded, I would look to get any value you can off of them because I feel like it's going to be a rough year next year in Arizona. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what it looks like. It's probably going to look a lot different from a personnel standpoint between now and the start of the season, and that will kind of determine how we feel about them. Not a great start to the offseason as far as uh, you know personnel decisions goes, in my opinion, on the coaching staff. Our next offensive coordinator hire is Kellen Moore. The uh, former Dallas offensive coordinator is now going to be calling plays for the Chargers and Justin Herbert. I uh, view this as a positive for Herbert, honestly, mostly because they got rid of Joe Lombardi. Just do not like the way that he structured that offense. Had Justin Herbert with one of the lowest yards uh, yards for attempts uh, in the league uh, because there was a lot of short area passing. Uh, Kellen Moore will offer some more explosive plays down the field, I believe. That has been in their, uh, you know, in their play calling in Dallas the past couple of years, so hoping that this opens up the offense a little bit more for the Chargers. Uh, it's, it's Again, it's hard to kind of draw comparisons as far as pass rate goes for the Dallas offense and the Chargers offense because they were just working with vastly different spheres of uh, 
you know, of com- of comparability from their offensive line. So, I, I, like like I said before, if you have a really good offensive line, you're not going to pass it as much, even if you want to as an offensive coordinator and vice versa. And that's that's why it's hard for me to draw comparisons. But I, I think I like it for Justin Herbert overall. Yeah, I think I like it too, but I don't know necessarily what Kellen Moore is going to look like or what the Chargers are going to look like. I think they're kind of in a little bit of a cap situation. Obviously, they made the moves last year for – J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. So I think they have some cap issues. We'll see what kind of offensive weapons are there, but it's hard to imagine they're going to have the – I mean, their weapons are good, but, you know, C.D. Lamb's probably better than Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. And I feel like the duo of Pollard and Zeke's probably better than Eckler and, you know, whoever Eckler's backup is. So we'll see if, you know, maybe a slight downgrade in weapons, but maybe a little bit of an upgrade at quarterback. So – I, I don't mind it. I don't I think honestly this is kind of a move. I wouldn't be surprised if Kellen Moore, if their offense is good and their defense struggles, if he's their head coach next year. Uh you know, if if they decide to move off of um uh can't remember Brandon Staley. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. For Kellen Moore, I love the move. I think uh this is a great opportunity for him to showcase his offense and let everybody know that he was the reason that Dallas offense was good and if he was, then uh, he's probably going to do pretty well with Justin Herbert and a decent cast of uh, playmakers there in the uh, in Los Angeles. So we'll see how it turns out, but he's got a pretty big opportunity in front of him. Next two hires, I think we can go through pretty quickly. New England hires Bill O'Brien. Uh, we've been here before with the Patriots. Uh, hopefully he is more comparable than Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, a pretty low bar to clear, but Another one where I don't have much from a fantasy perspective. I don't think this will impact the Patriots a ton. Uh, do you have anything uh, you want to add on Bill O'Brien? No, this is probably the most expected move in yeah, the offseason. <laughs> in the offseason. Well so, yeah, no, no, nothing to add there. I mean, they're still working with probably a very below average quarterback. So I feel like their, their ceiling is what it is for right now. And their rivals, the New York Jets, hired the former Denver Broncos head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. This one, once again, seems a bit like a play for his former former quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there are plenty of guys that have gone out and been you know, bad head coaches that were fine play callers. So uh, I don't really have much to add as far as impact on the Jets' offense. I think this is going to come down to ev- – everything's going to come down to who they end up having as quarterback. I think Hackett could be a fine offensive coordinator, even though he wasn't a great head coach. Not necessarily worried about uh, the Jets' offensive pieces. You're really just uh, you're just looking at who ends up being the quarterback here. Yep, I couldn't agree more. I really don't have much to add. Once they figure out their quarterback situation, we can deep dive the Jets because they have plenty of uh, fantasy assets now. But as of right now, it's just I, I can't really say too much. I feel like Hackett could be fine. Like you said, there's plenty of great offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators that just aren't the best head coaches. So we've seen plenty of examples of that in NFL history. The last one is probably the one where there seems to be the most disagreement from um, just the media in general, and that is your Kansas City offensive coordinator, or at least former Kansas City offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, moving over to Washington to take over their offense and presumably be the play caller for the commanders. I am uh, not a huge Bieniemy guy. Good luck to him. I just don't love hiring offensive coordinators that have never called plays. And that, uh, you know, coordinate under dominant forces such as Andy Reid. It's really, really hard to know what they do on a day-to-day basis. And at the end of the day, an offensive coordinator's biggest job, in my mind, is playing that mental game of chess during a game that is calling plays and, uh, 
you know, trying to outsmart the defensive coordinator on the other side. And Eric Bieniemy has never done that at the professional level. So I have no idea if he will be good at it in Washington. Uh, he has a much worse cast of characters to work with. So good luck to him. Yeah, I my take with Eric Bieniemy is very simple. I feel like, you know, from the Chiefs perspective, it's probably going to end up being a, a net positive. I mean, if you listen to the Travis Kelsey podcast when they talk about Matt Nagy versus when they talk about Eric Bieniemy, he lights up when they talk about Matt Nagy. And there's multiple Chiefs that have done the same when they talk about him. You don't really get that too much out of Eric Bieniemy. It's more of like we respect the guy, but it's not like you know you're not you're not you don't love him. It seems like so. I feel like it's going to end up being a net positive. Um, we'll go over. You know they they brought in a really interesting quarterbacks coach uh, this uh, I think over this weekend. So that's probably what I'm most excited about. But yeah, Eric Bieniemy, I just don't get why you're going to go to Washington. For one, it's the most dysfunctional ownership in the NFL. I mean, maybe you could put the Raiders or Colts up there, but I mean, Dan Snyder is just a complete joke of an owner. They're constantly trying to get the team sold. So that's just chaos. You have Ron Rivera who could definitely be in his last season there at Washington. So potentially you take over or you get, you know, thrown out with them. So it doesn't make any sense. And then you're leaving the best offense for, you know, Sam Howell and some good offensive pieces around him, But I mean, you're you're gonna have Sam Howell, so your your offense better be perfect if you are going to impress this year as an OC and, and try to vie for a, a head coaching job that way. Yeah, he he certainly took the the road less traveled as far as uh, you know opportunities that he could have had as an offensive coordinator. This will be a very tough one, and um, he again, just in my eyes, has not shown anything in, in the league to prove to me that he can do it. So uh, there have been plenty of guys that have gone in there with no experience and done well, but there have been plenty more that have gone in and done not so well. So uh, good luck to Eric Bieniemy. but uh, I, I think this is just a home run swing from Washington and Kansas city loses basically nothing from uh, their offense. Yeah. I, I also, over. I think the Bieniemy thing is just, it's very like, it's very ticky tacky because when you bring up his head coaching things, like the negative people just bring up that it's like a race issue and that's not the case at all. I mean, there's yeah, plenty no. of, like if you actually Clearly deep not. dive it, he does an interview well. He has a pass with some situations that have occurred. So there, I mean, and obviously, I mean, you, you see the Sean McCoy, I mean, just put the guy on blast on FS1. So, I mean, there's obviously some question marks for him to be a head coach outside of his race. So, I think that he's kind of doing this to try and go prove himself, which I completely understand and respect. But the whole, you know, why hasn't he got a head coaching argument, I feel like just gets misconstrued out of, you know, what it could potentially be. And uh, honestly, I think it's it's disappointing because there should be probably a larger discussion there as far as, uh, you know, racism in coaching goes in the NFL. I think a lot of times it ends up just being the entry level jobs that don't get yeah. filled enough by racial minorities. Um, and that kind of leads to, you know, those guys not rising up higher in the ranks as a result of that. And then it just gets pushed into, you know, a microcosm of just Eric Bieniemy deserves a head coaching job and why are they not giving him one? And it's like, well, exactly. this guy may not be qualified, but that doesn't really speak to the larger issue of, you know, racist hiring practices at the lower levels. So yeah. um, I think that's really where the discussion needs to start. Uh, but again, yeah, totally agree with you on the enemy. Uh, let's go over the rest of these other offensive coordinator hires again, that I think probably don't have as big of an impact or, this first one off the start, I just have no idea what to make of, to be honest with you, so I didn't even put it on the list. Uh, that's the Bucks hiring Dave Canalenis, the Seattle quarterbacks coach. 
Uh, this one has just so many variables that it's impossible for me to really know uh, how to uh, you know take it. The Seattle offense has always been under the thumb of uh, Coach Carroll, and Canalanis has never called plays at the NFL level, as well as the Seattle offense, you know, changing a lot over the years, mostly run heavy, uh, but pretty pass heavy this past year, and the Bucks not having their quarterback situation figured out. So, uh, Cody, if you want to take a stab at how this offense is going to look under this new offensive coordinator, you can go ahead, but I'm not going to even try. I'm just going to say different, and we can, uh, we can move on <laughs> yeah. to the next guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think there's going to be so much turnover there, it's not even worth addressing yet. For sure. Uh, the Titans and the Eagles both hired in-house. Uh, so Tim Kelly will be the Titans' offensive coordinator. He was their passing game coordinator. The Eagles hired their quarterback's coach, quarterback, quarterback coach, my goodness, Brian Johnson. Uh, so expect a little change with both of their offenses, I would say, uh, unless you have a different opinion on either one. Uh, no, not too much. I feel like uh, I feel like their offenses are kind of set. So you know, hopefully, some you know in Tennessee, you're kind of hoping that they kind of make an upgrade at quarterback or Ryan Tannehill, you know, kind of gets back to where he was a couple years ago. But I feel like you're more or less just looking for weapons in Tennessee than anything else. And then the Eagles, you got you know potentially a top five quarterback, so you got a pretty nice job there, Brian Johnson. And then these next two hires are very similar to uh, the two that I just brought up. That is the Rams hiring Mike LaFleur. He was actually the Jets offensive coordinator last year. So that doesn't sound great because as fantasy owners should know, the Jets offense was not fantastic last year, both from fantasy and a real NFL perspective. But uh, Mike LaFleur himself has worked with Sean McVay in the past. Sean McVay will be calling the shots. I think this is a Mike LaFleur kind of trying to reestablish the shine on his coaching resume by working with, uh, possible, you know, better offense under Sean McVay. Maybe he gets a different coaching opportunity next off season to uh, to call some plays for somebody else instead of, uh, you know, he's he's just going to be under Sean McVay's thumb. You would imagine there. And then the Chiefs, Matt Nagy, kind of a similar situation. He got promoted from the KC quarterbacks coach. Good offensive mind, but Andy Reid will be calling the shots. Yep, and Alex Smith is going to be replacing Matt Nagy as the KC quarterbacks coach. So uh, if you don't know, Mahomes and Smith had a great relationship when Smith was here for the first year of Mahomes' career. So pretty cool to see that uh, come full circle and for him to rejoin the organization. And I've already kind of said something on Nagy. I think this is going to end up being a net positive for the uh, for the offense and the team in general. So I, uh, I love it. Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, one of the most fun oh, yes, sir. to say uh, <laughs> out of this whole coaching carousel was the Jacksonville passing game coordinator last year. He got hired on as the Colts offensive coordinator. Stain, uh, excuse me, Shane Steichen was the uh, the, high, the head coaching hire for the uh, the Colts. So you imagine he is going to be the one kind of calling the shots on the offensive side at the end of the day. But I actually like uh, Jim Bob Cooter as an offensive coordinator. What I've seen from him in his past, he had. Uh, some positive years in Detroit with Matthew Stafford. He tends to uh, lean towards the uh, the deep passing game, kind of the opposite of what we talked about for uh, Shane Steichen, actually. So it'll be interesting to see how those two mesh. Yeah, absolutely. And a 10 out of 10 name. So hopefully he no, yeah. uh, he sticks hard around to, in NFL circles for a long time, maybe gets a head coaching job one day and gets that name just out there everywhere. It'd be awesome. Yeah, it needs to be immortalized somewhere. That's a, that's a 1980 coach's name if I've ever seen one. For sure. Uh, and then the last offensive coordinator hire we have here is the Panthers hiring Thomas Brown. He was the uh, Los Angeles Rams assistant head coach under Sean McVay. So, again, part of just kind of that uh, that 
that coaching staff that Cody, Cody talked about earlier, the building up the uh, just the knowledge in general there. But Frank Reich, again, will be calling the shots in Carolina. So I think I'm going to lean more towards his tendencies than Thomas Brown's. Ooh, absolutely. Lots of uh, lots of offensive changes there. We didn't even go through all the defensive stuff that, that's changed and flipped over also. It's, thank goodness that we are a uh, fantasy football-focused podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been twice as long. I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's hit these other NFL news and notes items before we get out of here. Uh, these are just a few things that have happened that are of note and will probably impact fantasy at least uh, to some degree. First one is the biggest one, or at least the most recent one, in my opinion. That is uh, Derek Carr getting cut by the Raiders and then subsequently visiting the Jets and Saints. Uh, I think he is kind of the clear-cut best free agent quarterback on the market that does not have any restrictions. Obviously, Lamar Jackson could technically be a free agent, but he is either going to be traded or franchise tagged, so I don't really count him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think this is Derek Carr is going to be the new – uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, free agent quarterback type that will try to get paid on the open market, and we'll see uh, what team ends up with him. But uh, it's it's really just going to come down to what uh, what franchise he ends up with, in my opinion. Yeah, please go to the NFC just for your career overall, Derek Carr. Don't don't stay in the AFC. There's there's a chance where you can have a you know mid to upper level quarterback that 10 through 14 range in the NFC and get into a Super Bowl. You know, we've seen the Niners do it. In the in the AFC, I think that's going to be nearly impossible with all the quarterback talent that's young and relevant there. I think the Jets are maybe the one exception there just because their roster is so talented and we saw, you know, Brock Purdy get to the a championship yeah. game this year with a super talented roster. I think you could kind of see a similar thing in Derek Carr's case, except I think he is a superior quarterback to Brock Purdy by quite a wide margin. So yeah, for my sure. Garrett Wilson shares would be okay with Derek Carr going to yes. the Jets as well. I think that is a solid upgrade over uh, um, over what they had last year between Zach Wilson. Joe yeah, Blanco I think the Jets settle for Jimmy G personally. I think they're going to end up missing out that, on Derek that Carr. That would be and... the worst case scenario, Cody. I hate you for even sorry, man. wishing that upon me. <laughs> uh, if it's it's not Derek Carr, it's Aaron Rodgers. All right, so uh, that's actually probably two. the most realistic at this point. Is if it's be Aaron Jimmy Rogers, G, I will so. be I will be wholly disappointed, and I will sell my Garrett Wilson shares out of spite. Uh, Tom Brady. He retired this offseason, the best player of all time. Um, very, very muted reaction to his retirement because of the you know the last year in general. So, again, this was just super expected. I, I guess him retiring wasn't, but we knew he was going to lead the Bucks, and this just confirms that he's not going to go play for somebody else. This one seems pretty. Uh, you know, we we don't expect him to go back on this one like he did last year. Last year we were you know we were sort of. We were skeptical about him coming out of it anyway, uh, or and when he made the when he made the decision. So I think he's done. Yeah, this one seems like he he actually meant it. It wasn't like a big wasn't a big thing, just like a quick Instagram or Twitter post, whatever it was. So um, yeah, I would not be surprised if he's done. I also would not be surprised if you know San Francisco has some issues at quarterback due to injuries that we'll get into and uh, may may try and tempt Tom Brady, but I think outside of San Francisco, I don't think there's an option for Brady in the league. You're, you're not going to go anywhere unless it's a really, really good team. So um, I, I think he's staying retired at this point, but San Francisco is the only one that's just, it's got to be a little bit interesting for him. We'll see if Patrick Mahomes can catch Tom Brady in GOAT status, but it looks like his career has been cemented. So the bar has been set for Mr. Mahomes. 
Bobby Wagner was released by the Los Angeles Rams. This one, a bit of a surprise. Seems like the Rams are really just, you know, looking towards this youth movement here. They're also talking about trading Jalen Ramsey right now. Very surprising because Bobby Wagner was actually very, very good last year. Uh, he was PFF's number one graded linebacker. I do caution against actually, you know, relying on those PFF grades. But if you are, you know, in the extreme one way or another, I believe there is something to be learned there. So I think Bobby Wagner was a great player last year, still probably could be. So we'll see if he ends up with someone else. But um, he was uh, he was an excellent player last year, and the Rams decided to part ways with him anyway. It seems like they're trying to go with a youth movement there. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Bengals and the Chiefs are two teams that I keep seeing all the time for Jalen Ramsey. So uh, that could be dangerous for AFC teams. But as a Chiefs fan, I, I don't necessarily love it. I'd rather just keep playing the young guys that kind of started proving themselves towards the end of last season. But Jalen Ramsey's really good, and if you can get him at somewhat of a discount because his contract's kind of expensive and he's starting to get older, it's kind of hard to say no to. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening with Jalen Ramsey, and then uh, hopefully Bobby Wagner latches on with a uh, certain no, sure West team. Oh, uh, hopefully not. Later. Uh, <laughs> Brock Purdy, his surgery was delayed. There was still a little bit, a little bit of swelling around his elbow injury, so that is not great news for his prospects at being ready. For the start of training camp, I think this is uh, further, uh, you know, just further pointing towards the fact that Trey Lance is going to get every opportunity to be the starter for this team next year. Uh, one, because of the draft capital that has been put into him and just because of uh, Kyle Shanahan's ego. But uh, I think Brock Purdy will probably end up being the backup for this team. We'll see what ends up happening with his injury, but it has been delayed already. So not a great start. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like San Francisco, I mean, obviously their quarterback situation has been a you know talking point for the past like three to four years at this point, but going to be a big talking point going into next season. And we'll see if Brock Purdy's you know, going to actually be ready by the time camp and the preseason starts or if it's going to kind of be Trey Lance's job to lose. So yeah, that's, that's interesting because I feel like the 49ers kind of really like Brock Purdy. He's kind of what they want at a quarterback. Uh, but like you said, a lot of draft capital and Trey Lance. So kind of got to try and make that work if you can. And Jimmy G, he will not be back with the 49ers. Kind of wanted to piggyback that off of the Brock Purdy uh, situation. Kyle Shanahan said in very certain terms that uh, Jimmy G will not be back. It was, you know, he said something similar last offseason, but it was a little bit more, uh, you know, leaving room open for Jimmy G to come back, which he, end up, which he ended up doing. But uh, this, this time around, it was pretty, uh, pretty cut and dry. He said that Jimmy G will you know, not be back with the 49ers next year on their roster. So uh, yep. they will be moving on from him. Aaron Rodgers is mulling his NFL future. I don't want to give a ton of this podcast to Aaron Rodgers, uh, but he is apparently sitting in the dark for a few days and deciding what he wants to do, whether that's retire, whether that's go back to the Packers or whether that's be traded. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, I don't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers anymore. Yeah, I'm going to give a 30-second take because I think we agree with Aaron Rodgers. He's very annoying. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, like you not only have to want to keep playing football, if I'm a team that's going to trade for him, like I'm going to want to know you're going to be in it for two to three years at least if I'm going to have to give up multiple ones, which is supposedly what the Packers are going to want in a trade for Aaron Rodgers. So um, yeah, he's beyond annoying and just makes everything completely about himself. Honestly, he's really everything you don't want in a quarterback from a personality standpoint and everything you do want, um, at least in his prime, on a physical standpoint. So 
yeah, it, most annoying quarterback in the NFL by far. Um, just barely passing Russell Wilson, but I think Aaron Rodgers takes the cake. Yeah, that's fair enough. I won't even uh, comment on the Russell Wilson <laughs> one because uh, I'm taking fat L's uh, this year in the NFL in general, so I'll just let it be. Our last bit of news that we have here is Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but we'll bring the point up uh, to the forefront here that his contract talks with the Ravens are at a bit of a standstill. Trade looking increasingly likely. At the very least, a franchise tag will most likely be applied here. Uh, they are vastly apart on the guaranteed money uh, for his contract, and um, it does not look like it's moving closer together. These things have a way of kind of uh, you know, moving quickly once they do move. So I'm not saying that there's zero chance they end up coming to an agreement here, but as of now, uh, there is a pretty wide chasm, it seems, between uh, what Lamar wants and what the Ravens are willing to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess – just on this topic in general, do you feel like there's going to be any other quarterbacks that are trying to go for the Deshaun Watson-esque contract? Or do they you should. feel like Lamar all Jackson's – I, I agree all of them should. But, yeah, I I just – I don't know. I mean, we saw after Deshaun Watson's deal, we saw Kyler's deal and I think Russ's deal last year that weren't fully guaranteed. So, I, I don't know. I think from Lamar's side, I think this is honestly where not having an agent probably kills him. I think his agent's his mom, so probably makes it a little bit more he difficult. Is, he is his agent at the end of the day, yeah. So, yeah, he is yeah, officially, little, he, officially he is his agent. But, yeah, he probably has a uh, you know a group that he trusts, whether you know that is his mom or whoever. But he is representing himself in these discussions from a – you know, just a, yeah. a literal perspective in the room. So he is the one that's making the final call. And I, I think good on him. I mean, I, honestly, if, if if Deshaun Watson is deserving of that contract, he should be too, just from 100%. A, you know, from a, you know, what they have accomplished standpoint. So good on Lamar Jackson. I think you should hold out for it. And at the end of the day, I think if he hit the open market, he would get probably close to the deal that he wants from, from someone. The Ravens just seem like they are not totally sold on it. Yeah, I think I, the last point is where I, I was kind of – Kind of going to wrap it up there with it, so I'm glad you stole that from me. But yeah, I think I think this well, is more of a Ravens thing. I do think that like if the Panthers had the opportunity to give him the Deshaun Watson contract, they probably would. If Atlanta could do that, I feel like they probably would as well. So yeah, I think these teams that don't have elite level quarterback play would do it in a heartbeat. So I feel like the Ravens maybe just don't quite understand what they have in Lamar Jackson and may end up. Uh, they end up shooting themselves in the foot if they trade him and don't, you know, immediately get somebody because they still have a pretty good team, relatively decent defense as well. So very, very interesting to see what they'll do. But like you said, it kind of looks more and more likely like it's going to end up in a trade. I kind of want us to start this offseason, uh, maybe just this 2023 year in general, a, uh, a, a board of both of our bold predictions, maybe – we can kind of quantify what a bold prediction is when we make it. And I think it, for the, the criteria in my head would be something like it has to be, you know, 25% or under on uh, the odds of it happening at the time of the prediction. But if I could go ahead and make the first bold prediction of this hypothetical chart that we will keep, that is the Mar Jackson will be the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons next year. I just think it makes a ton of sense. And I think uh, Lamar Jackson's not going to play on uh on the franchise tag i think he will force a trade from the ravens and i think at this at some point their hand will be forced and i don't think they're going to want to meet his contract demand so i think that the falcons they have a lot to offer have a high pick 
uh, have some decent young assets as well. So I, th- I think that the fit is there, and I, I think he will be the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons next year. So if you want to go ahead and trade for Kyle Pitts on my word, go ahead. But uh, I think I just I have a strong feeling for whatever reason that that will happen. Do you think that's fair? Do you think that has a less than 25% chance of happening at this point in time? Yeah, since you named a team, I'll, I'll give you that. Like you, it's to okay. Atlanta. So if he gets traded yeah, to, it has to be to Atlanta, yep. Chicago or something nope. off the wall nope. like that, doesn't matter. Yeah, no, name of the team. I feel like that's probably the best team for him to go to as well. So yeah, I, I like that a lot. Uh, Good fit, I think. My my non bold prediction is Jimmy G will get injured at some point next year. If we want to put that on a smaller bulletin board next to our big bulletin the, board, the, the deli down the street is that is that where he's going to get injured? <laughs> yeah, well, possibly, man. Those slicers, you never know. Uh, watch out yeah, for them. Yeah, hey, it's, it's dangerous work. <laughs> Absolutely tearing ACL, slicing some meat. All right, I think. <laughs> well said. Sir. Yeah, well I think said. I think we killed it. I think we got the nerves. We got Let's the rust knocked back one. off. Justin, so. producer Justin, can we uh, just quote tweet that one? Tear, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank Absolutely. you. All right. Appreciate awesome. it. Yeah, sweet. Well, peace out, everybody. Uh, off-season content, we will be out as much as NFL News wants to keep pumping out. So the more NFL News that's out there, you know, if there's a bunch of big stories that drop, look at our podcast, look at our Facebook, Twitter, whatever. There's probably going to be pods out. But if the NFL is going to be uh, we'll, slow, we're probably going to be a little slow. But there is draft talk also. We'll break out some uh, some fantasy recaps just from the whole year as well. I think we can kind of go over each position and just sort of give our thoughts on the position as a whole and kind of what we expect moving forward. So we'll, we'll fill the gaps somehow. Uh, there's not really that much room in between now and the draft. So it, it'll heat up pretty quickly. Yeah, it's true. The NFL is amazing. It's just constantly keeping, keeping something going. It's like they, uh, they, they yeah, their off season out. is by far the best out of all these, uh, these major sports for sure. I think that's kind of one of their biggest, biggest attributes. Yeah, absolutely. And before we sign off, shout out the uh, Mizzou men's basketball team. I have made close to $1,000 betting on them this season. They are fucking awesome. Yeah. And uh, can't wait to uh, go watch them this upcoming weekend. All with three boys, of us so. will have boots on the ground yeah. this Saturday in Columbia. So hit us up if you're a fantasy fanboy and you want to want to say hi to the Potters. We will be in Columbia this Saturday against Ole Miss 230. Be there. Yep, for sure. Peace out, everybody. Peace.